Hello, my name is uh, Andrew Jenner and I'm a member of the Christadelphians in Mumbles and today we're going to be having a look at the role uh, of the angels. A fascinating subject as we open our Bibles together to see what the Bible explains to us about the angels and are they working uh, even today. So I'm just going to share my screen with you so we can have a look at some, some slides together. One thing that I think is, is useful uh, for us to do uh, is to read the Bible together. Um, I recommend that you pause the video here and have a read of Hebrews chapter one and chapter two. Not very long chapters uh, in the New Testament, but it's a useful introduction uh, as we think about the angels. So I'm sure you've all paused and, and done that. So let's continue to have a look at this lovely subject. So what we're going to be doing as we work through uh, together is covering up some important questions, which is what are the angels and having a look at their characteristics? What are their attributes that they have that are maybe different to ours? We're then going to have a look at their role and their work today uh, in fulfilling God's will in the earth. We're going to have you looking at the relationship between the angels and the Lord Jesus Christ and the hierarchy, if you like, uh, between them. And then we're going to think about us and the angels and what's going to be uh, in God's kingdom in relation to us with the angels and then draw our thoughts to a conclusion. So what are angels? Well, I put a, a, a picture there. Uh, if you search Google, that's one of the, the first pictures uh, that you're presented with. It's an interesting picture because although it looks nice, uh, it's actually quite inaccurate because nowhere uh, in the Bible does it say that the angels have wings uh, or in fact, uh, female. However, they can shine. And we read about that um, in the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ in Luke chapter 2 and verse 9. Uh, and they can fly. It does seem clear that they're not bound by the normal laws of physics um, in terms of how they move around. And there's a number of examples of that uh, in the scripture. They also can be referred to as being clad in white. And white in the Bible symbolizes righteousness. It symbolizes something that God is looking for in all of us and indicates um, a little bit about their characteristics. They don't do things uh, that are wrong. And we'll have a look at that later. It's an interesting fact, isn't it, that, that why are they not mentioned as being female? Well, we're going to have a look at that later on when we think about what is it going to be like in God's kingdom uh, with the angels. Another characteristic that the Bible talks about in the reading that we uh, read together um, is that they are ministering spirits. That word ministering means to serve or in service. And so they are spirits that serve. And spirits means that they're quite different from us they don't comprise flesh and blood. We know, don't we, that we can be hurt. We can, sadly, at some, some time in our lives, pass away. 
Those things don't happen to the angels. They are spirits. They are quite different from us in terms of their composition. And who are they? Well, the Bible mentions uh, some names, Michael uh, and Gabriel. You may have heard of those names. Michael actually means he who is like God, uh, a very appropriate name uh, for an angel. But the vast majority of them uh, remain unnamed because the Bible wants us to focus and think about uh, what work that they do on God's behalf. So what are the characteristics of the angels? And again, I'm putting verses up here to support um, some of these conclusions uh, that we're making. And of course, you are more than welcome and encouraged uh, to turn up those in your own time. Well, the Bible says that they are God's eyes in the earth. That means that they know everything that's going on uh, once they're unified together. They're free thinking. We have in, in, in 1 Kings chapter 22, a fascinating insight uh, into the work of the angels uh, that we're going to have a look at. So they are ministering spirits, serving. They carry out God's will, but they know what they're trying to achieve. But there is this degree of flexibility in how they achieve that. And we're going to have a look at that in a couple of moments. The Bible tells us that they are knowledgeable. But they don't know everything. Matthew 24 verse 36 tells us that they do not know when the kingdom of God will be established in the earth. The Bible goes on to tell us that they are powerful. And we're going to have a look at that as well together in a few minutes. But they're not all powerful. And Daniel 10 verse 13 tells us that the angel Gabriel asks the angel Michael for help in carrying out an instruction that God has given him uh, in terms of fulfillment of God's will. So what are the role and the work of the angels? Well, one example um, we could look at back in the book of Exodus in the Old Testament. We might know the story. The story about the children of Israel, as they were called, God's people in Egypt. And if we remember, Pharaoh, um, king of Egypt, is turned the children of Israel into slaves. And uh, he's rather brutal and unkind uh, to them. And God decides that enough is enough. Now is the time for his people to move back to the land of, of Israel. But Pharaoh doesn't want to let them go. And we've heard, no doubt, of the 10 plagues um, of Egypt. Well, the very last plague, the plague that convinced um, Pharaoh to let God's people go, was the death of the firstborn. Now, in Exodus, we're told a very simple thing, a very simple symbol that the Israelites, the children of Israel, had to do if they wanted their house to be protected. They had to sprinkle blood upon the doorposts and the lintels of a lamb. And of course, as Bible students, that was pointing forward to the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, as we read the Lamb of God slain to take away the sin of the world 
in the Gospel of John. So this, this entire episode was pointing forward to the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. So if the, Jew, if the Israelites did that, then an angel that would come to kill the firstborn, seeing the blood, would not enter the house and would not slay the firstborn uh, of the Israelites. It says the Lord will pass over the door and not allow the destroyer to come into your houses to strike you. But in the Hebrew, there's, a, there's an interesting implication that there's two angels at work here. There's one which has the specific task of carrying out uh, God's judgment upon Egypt for not letting his people go. And there's another one that's protecting the house, pushing away the destroyer, so to speak. We may have seen, um, if you search on Google, the angel of death, you'll come across something that looks rather terrifying uh, like that. Uh, again, there's no such description in scripture. It was a normal looking angel that had um, that job to do. And we know, don't we, that after that, Pharaoh indeed let the people go so that they could go worship God back in Jerusalem and in Israel. Another one that I'd like us to turn up together. So open your Bibles, if you can, to 1 Kings chapter 21. Here is a fascinating prophecy about a very wicked king who had murdered man and his family just because he wanted their vineyard, a man called Naboth. So in 1 Kings chapter 21 and verse 19, we read, and I'm reading from the New King James Version, you shall speak to him saying, thus says the Lord, have you murdered and also taken possession? And you shall speak to him saying, Thus says the Lord, in the place where the dogs licked the blood of Naboth, dogs shall lick your blood, even yours. Well, what's the prophecy? Well, the prophecy to Ahab is that you killed that innocent man. And the dogs came and licked up the blood. Well, the same gruesome thing, Ahab, is going to happen to you. And it absolutely did in the very next chapter. We read in 1 Kings chapter 22, the prophet Micaiah talking about a vision he's seen. And the vision is fascinating because it gives us a glimpse of how the angels work. Because they know that Ahab has to die. It's a prophecy. And they're there to work out how to fulfill it. And they're discussing it together. First Kings chapter 22 and verse 19, Micaiah says, Therefore, hear the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne and all the host of heaven standing by on his right hand and on his left. So there's the angels uh, in God's presence. Verse 20. And the Lord said, Who will persuade Ahab to go up that he may fall at Ramath Gilead? So one spoke in this manner and another spoke in that matter. So the angels are coming up with ideas as to how to fulfill this prophecy. Then verse 21, then a spirit came forward and stood before the Lord and said, I will persuade him. And the Lord said to him, in what way? 
So he said, I will go out and be a lying spirit in the mouth of all his prophets. And the Lord said, you shall persuade him and also prevail. Go out and do so. And so this angel had the idea of making the prophets in some way say to Ahab that that was a good thing to do, that he should go up with his army to Ramoth Gilead. And what happens? Well, another angel, it seems, makes certain that Ahab is struck with an arrow. Verse 34, now a certain man drew a bow at random and struck the king of Israel between the joints of his armour, so that he said to the driver's chariot, turn around and take me out of the battle before I'm wounded. It seems that another angel guided that arrow so far from being at random, was guided to hit Ahab right where his armour couldn't protect him. And then what happens next? Well, verse 37, so the king died and was brought to Samaria and they buried the king in Samaria. Then someone washed the chariot at the pool in Samaria and the dogs licked up his blood while the harlots bathed according to the word of the Lord, which he had spoken. So we get a fascinating insight there. They know what the outcome is that God wants them to do, but they can discuss together how best to achieve it. So they're not robots, but they do the will of God in the earth. So what are the role of the angels today? Well, we had a look, didn't we, that... Um, that they're ministering spirits in, in Hebrews chapter one. But the word angel means messenger, and they often come in the Bible with messages, and they tell people what the will of God is. But one of the other fascinating elements of, of the angels in Hebrews chapter one, verse 14, that you read, are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for those who inherit salvation? So what other job do they have? Well, they're bringing messages to certain people. They conduct God's will, but they have a special role to serve or to look after those who will inherit God's kingdom, those who will be saved when Jesus returns to establish God's kingdom on the earth. That is supported by what we read in the Psalms back in the Old Testament. And it's always good to see the wonderful consistency between the messages uh, of the Old and the New Testament. Psalm 34 um, and verse 7 says, The angel of the Lord encamps around all those who fear him and delivers them. And so we can see from that that the angels protect and watch over God's people. They have a role to play in making sure that that individual has the best opportunity to be in God's kingdom. That doesn't mean to say that they'll protect them from everything that happens. We know that many Bible characters went through very difficult circumstances, but it was always for God's will to be done so that that individual could see the error of their ways or that others could be saved through that experience of that individual. In Exodus chapter 23, there's an 
angel there that carries the name of God. Bible students call him the name-bearing angel, a very special angel of God's representative on the earth. Some people think that that is Michael himself, the archangel. And in Psalm 103, we read in verse 20, the following about the angels. Bless the Lord, you his angels, who excel in strength, who do his word, heeding the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all you his hosts, ye ministers of his, who do his pleasure. So they're strong. They're powerful beings that do God's will um, in the earth. Now, how many are there? We might ask, well, there's legions of angels. There are very many angels, uh, the Bible tells us. In the time of Elijah and Elisha, Elisha, uh, the young man who's going to be taking over the job of uh, Elijah, is worried about people who want to hurt them. And he's talking about that uh, to Elijah. But Elijah shows him a vision of the angels, and he can see all these angels up in the sky. And he's led to realize that God protects and is in control of things uh, in his life, and it gives him great encouragement. Well, did those angels ever leave? Well, no, they didn't. We read uh, in Matthew chapter 26, when Jesus is in Gethsemane with his disciples. We know, don't we, that just before the crucifixion, the, the high priests came and took Jesus by force. And Peter had found a sword and was carrying it and decided to chop off one of the servants of the high priest, an impetuous man on occasion, uh, the fascinating character of Peter. Well, Jesus tells Peter off and he heals the man's ear and says, if I didn't call the legions of angels, would they not come? But remember, Peter, I need to go through this. I need to die so that I can save the people. And so the angels were there if Jesus called them. But of course, he too did the will of his father, not his own will. And we know that there was an angel that comforted him as he had that agony um, in the garden. And that's one of the things that we always think about with the Lord Jesus Christ, that he was a man, but he did not sin. Hebrews 4 verse 15 tells us that we do not have a high priest. The high priest was the man in the Old Testament that used to uh, officiate the forgiveness of sins through sacrifices. For Jesus, who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, he can. He can sympathize, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. And so the Bible tells us, doesn't it, that he was the perfect sacrifice to take away sin. And Hebrews explains to us the relationship between the Lord Jesus and the angels. In Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 9, it says, God made him a little lower than the angels. He was born a man. He had flesh and blood. But through his obedience and his work of salvation for all mankind, he is now so much better 
than the angels. And Psalm 110 tells us that he now sits on the right hand uh, of God. So what are the differences then between us and the angels? We've had a look at many of them. Well, we know man is mortal. The Bible explains to us that we sin and that leads to death. Often we can serve ourselves. We can be poor and weak, not necessarily always materially, but we can be depressed. We can be anxious. And we cannot look at the face of God because of sin. Well, the angels, they are immortal. They do no sin. They only do God's will. They excel in strength and they can look at the face of God. And what about us in God's kingdom? Well, we have this fascinating insight into what it will be like for us, the mortals in the kingdom of God, because they shall be made immortal. In Luke chapter 20, verse 35, we read, But those who are counted worthy to attain that age and the resurrection from the dead neither marry nor are given in marriage, nor can they die any more. For they are equal to the angels and are sons of God being sons of the resurrection. So there's no more marrying going on uh, in the kingdom. We've all been changed. And we now are equal to the angels. In Revelation chapter 22 and verse 8, John receives these wonderful visions of the kingdom, righteousness and peace in the earth, a time of great joy. And he's so excited that he tries to worship the angel. And the angel says to him, don't, don't do that, John. We are fellow servants. We are brethren. And of course, the angel was talking about the establishment of God's kingdom. And 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 16, talks about the shout, the cry of the archangel and the dead in Christ raised from the dead when that kingdom comes. And so in conclusion, we've seen, haven't we, that the angels are servants of God and carry out his will, both in the past and in the present. And they will fulfill his plan and purpose with mankind, bringing God's kingdom on this earth. We've had a look that they have their own thoughts. They have flexibility in terms of what they do, but they cannot sin and that they always do God's will. We've seen that they are God's representatives on the earth. And they were there before the Lord Jesus Christ and how he was made a little lower. But on his resurrection uh, and now he's in heaven, he is above the angels. And finally, we've had a look at the wonderful hope for all of us that through the work of the Lord Jesus Christ and his sacrifice, and his resurrection from the dead, we can all have that wonderful hope of everlasting life in the kingdom and be like the angels, living forever in God's service. So may our Lord God be with you all as you continue to read from his word together. And thank you so much uh, for listening.